All right. Preacher's going to ask you to do something that probably haven't done in the 2,000-year history of the church. Take out your phones and just take a, a picture of your worship environment right now. So I'm taking a picture of our worship environment here. Paul, come on in here. Let's get up. Well, you got to stay six feet, but stay back there, and let's get a, let's get a picture. There we go. Oops, i got to take these glasses off. This is my backup here. Here we go. All right. Steve, you over there? <laughs> All right. Now, if you would do something for us, we are trying to do what we call a family reunion. Since we can't see each other in person, if you could take a picture of your worship today, wherever you might be, and just email it to us to Mur uh, Easter at murphychurch.com easter at murphychurch.com a picture that you wouldn't mind us sharing online uh, because what we're trying to do is throughout the day and then throughout the week just be able to get a glimpse of people turning their homes into houses of worship if you have your bibles today if you'll open it with me to hebrews chapter 1 hebrews chapter 1 and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through four. Christianity rises and falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, the resurrection is not just a happily ever after ending to the tragic story of the cross. Here's what the Apostle Paul said about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. So think about that for a moment. Without the resurrection, the Scriptures tell us our preaching and our faith are useless. Because without the resurrection, your faith would be in a Savior who is powerless to defeat death. He might have a beautiful name, but He wouldn't have the powerful name that we sing about the name that is above every name. You see, the book of Hebrews takes the cross and it wedges it between history and eternity. Jesus is the God-man. He is the substitute, the Savior, who speaks into our lives through the universal language of brokenness. And Jesus' body is broken so that our lives can be made whole. His life is taken so that our lives can be restored. But without the resurrection, everything that Christ did for us upon the cross, it would all go to waste. Why? Because His life would have the same ending as ours. He would have lived and died. Sure, He absorbed the wrath of God upon sin, upon the cross, but then He wouldn't have had the power, the purification. He wouldn't have been the sinless Savior who conquered death. And so the end of the story would have been he bowed his head and died. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus didn't just die for your sins. He rose again so that you and I might have new life in Him. His resurrection rewrites your life story. We're not exactly sure who wrote the book of Hebrews, but the book of Hebrews was written to encourage some people who were struggling to move forward. In fact, they were very tempted in life to just look backward or to get stuck in the past. 
Spiritually, they were in the process of considering their options. They thought to themselves, well, maybe, maybe we should just worship the angels or the creation. Perhaps we should return to Judaism. Maybe we should rewrite the story of Christ so that He is one of us and we reduce Him into a human or something just a little bit above humanity. And so the writer of Hebrews begins his book with these words in verse 1. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. And in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. God has appointed Him heir of all things and made the universe through Him. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, and so he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. And I want you to notice today a few things about Jesus and God. And the first thing is this, that God speaks. Now let me ask you this question. How is God speaking to you during this crisis? If you're in front of a keyboard, if you're on a device that has a keyboard, if you would just take a moment and answer that question. Share it so that we might uh, be there with you. How is God speaking to you right now in the midst of this crisis? What is the Holy Spirit teaching you in your life? God is not a lifeless statue, nor is He just the mysterious force that Luke follows. But God made Himself known. And the Bible says here that God has spoken. He spoke and the world came into being. He, he spoke to Abraham through His angel. He spoke to Joseph through dreams. You remember whenever he spoke to Moses, he spoke to him in a burning bush. He spoke to Israel through his law. Esther heard the voice of God in the midst of adversity, calling her to such a time as this. Ruth heard the voice of God in the clenches of grief. Rahab heard the voice of God in rescue. Mary heard the voice of God with a call to divine motherhood. Male and female, rich and poor, young and old, can testify to the fact that when God speaks, it causes a crisis within us. You see, when God speaks, it always causes us to be challenged. It, it dives deep into our spirit, and it causes a crisis within us. Are you going to follow God? Are you going to listen to His voice? Or are you going to push away? In fact, I, I would argue that much of human history is the story of those who have listened to God's voice and the story of those who have ran from His call. And here's what I know. I know that God is speaking deeply into our hearts. God is not wasting this moment. God is using this moment for His glory. And the question is this, are you listening to His voice? Are you running from His call? God speaks. And the Bible also says that God has spoken to us through His Son. Look at 
verse 2 again. It says, in these last days, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, and God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. You see, the prophets of the Old Testament, they were ambassadors. They would speak on behalf of the king. The same was true for the angels. They were messengers of God who would speak on behalf of God. But then one day, everything changed. The king himself, the one who created all things and sustains all things, took on flesh. And he has been made the heir of all things. The entire totality of the universe belongs to him. And God has spoken to us through Him. What did God say? The Bible says that the Son is the radiance of God's glory. Now make sure you catch that. Let that imagery radiate through your mind. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature. Sustaining all things by His powerful Word. Jesus said, if you want to see God, look at me. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. The Son radiates the glory of God. Jesus did not merely reflect the image of God. The Son is the image of God. The word here is icon, the exact expression of His nature. When I asked you to take that picture earlier and send that picture to us, Easter at MurphyChurch.com, by the way, when I asked you to do that, you were taking representations of yourself and you were sending it on. The sun is the exact expression, the exact icon, representation of God. When you see Him, when you see Him, you have seen the image of God. And even now, in this moment, the Son who created you is also the one who holds all things together by His powerful Word. How powerful is the name of Jesus? How powerful is the Son? It is by His power, the Bible says, that you were formed. It was through His power that you are sustained. And it is in His power that you, you have been redeemed. It was in this act of redemption that Jesus spoke the loudest whenever He came and died and made purification for our sins. The cross and the resurrection are God screaming to us His love. Through the cross and the resurrection, Jesus says to us, this is God. Look upon the cross and you have seen God. Look upon the cross and you have seen my love. God speaks. He speaks to us through His Son. And the Son is the radiance of God's glory. You see, what happened at the tomb did not stay at the tomb. The resurrection is an explosion of faith, hope, and love. When that stone opened, shockwaves pierced the universe, transforming history into his story. And nothing's ever been the same. Within weeks after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the radiance of God's glory had transformed the city of Jerusalem. Scholars estimate that when Jesus was crucified that there may have been about 500 faithful followers of Christ there in Jerusalem by 
uh, the time that he ascended, just shortly after the day of Pentecost, I should say, there were 5,000 believers there in Jerusalem from all over the known earth. Within 70 years, the radiance of God's glory had spread across Asia, Europe, and Africa. In 1607, the radiance of God's glory, it crossed the oceans and it landed in this little settlement called Jamestown. And as America continued to expand and move across the, the, the land, the radiance of God's glory continued to reach out so that America is dotted throughout the landscape with steeples who represent gatherings of people who come together to express God's glory and sing worship to Him. There were missionary movements. There were hearts transformed, families, children raised because of the radiance of God's glory that began at the resurrection. In 1898, there was this woman named Mrs. Cosgrove, and she began reading her New Testament, and she decided, you know, I think that in the New Testament, it teaches that when someone trusts in Christ as Lord and Savior, that their baptism is an expression of their faith in Christ. And so she got with the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Plano, and they started what was called the Murphy Baptist Church. In 1979, the Murphy Baptist Church relocated to this piece of land where I am, in 1999, the city of Murphy began to explode with growth. In 2004, the building in which I am in was built. In 2008, I was called to be the pastor of this church. And today, you pressed play on Facebook or YouTube and turned your house into a house of worship. You are one person, and we are one church. Now think about this. The radiance of God's glory has expanded all the way from the empty tomb to right where you are today. The radiance of God's glory is flowing over Wi-Fi right now. Hearts are being touched. For a while we were calling this virtual worship and then it dawned on me, you're not a virtual person. You're a real person. This is not virtual worship. This is real worship. There are people all over our city right now worshiping the Lord with sincerity of heart and, and worldwide today. We join a choir of two billion Christians in nations all over the world who are celebrating the radiance of God's glory, which began with one stone being rolled away and a Savior coming forth alive. We celebrate today the radiance of God's glory. And I am praying that He will use this story for His glory and that for generations to come, they will talk about the great awakening that began during this COVID season when Christians began realizing that we had to be bold about our faith, when we began realizing what a joy it is to worship with one another, how much we need each other, that we are His and we also are connected to one another. And we came together in worship saying, I'm with Him and I'm with you. You guys are my tribe. We are together. We are the church. And we're celebrating Christ today. And we're not alone. 
There's people all over the world celebrating him. The fourth thought I want to share with you today is that God will sustain you. The Bible says there in Hebrews that Jesus sustains all things by his powerful word. Do you know what that word sustain means? Literally, it means to carry, to carry. Earlier this week, I came home with some groceries. And so the kids, they ran out of the garage. They came to help me carry some of the groceries in. And with the kids came Camden. Camden is my four-year-old. He's full of life. And, and he came up to me and said, I help you carry. I help you carry. And so I gave him a, a bag. And he said, no, I help you carry. And so I gave him three bags of groceries to carry. And he was carrying three bags of groceries. And then he, said, he took two steps. And he said, it's too heavy. Dropped it on the driveway and ran into the house and left me to carry it. And I laughed for a moment. And then, then I said to myself, that's it. This is it. This is what we often do or try to do with God. We try to carry the load. We think we can do it all. Dad, you think you're Superman. Mom, you try to be Superwoman. We try to do everything. We try to make sure everything is perfect. We try to make sure that our kids have all the experiences that we never had. We want them to enjoy their childhood. We, we want things to be just so right, and we work so hard, and we try to carry the load. And I remember Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 when he looked into the eyes of a tired group of people, and he said, Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And Jesus didn't say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'm going to put you to work right now. He said, come to me, and I will give you rest. Come to me, you who are trying to stay up on that treadmill of performance, and you're working so hard to try to work your way into God's favor. Jesus said, come to me and believe in me, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. Jesus said, I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He didn't say, come to me and be self-sufficient. He didn't say, come to me, all you who have it all together. He didn't say, hey, fake a smile, work harder, pretend to be something you are not. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How does, he, how does He bear our burdens? How does He give us rest? Listen to me now. He does that by absorbing every insufficiency. Every sin. He absorbs the mistakes of the past. The lies, the deception, the betrayal, the hurt. 
He takes every burden that has ever been placed upon your shoulders and He says, place them upon my shoulders. And catch this. He sustains you. He sustains you with His powerful love, with His powerful name. And He takes your life and He uses it so that your light might begin to reflect the light of the radiance of God's glory. So let me talk to two groups of people today. Believers and those who have yet to believe. If you're a believer, let me ask you once again, how is God speaking to you? How is God speaking to you? And I'd ask you if you're willing to be vulnerable and share on the comments. This is how God has been speaking to my heart. This is the challenge that I'm working through right now. This has been what God is teaching me. Maybe you need to call out to some people, some people you don't even know, but you're calling out to some people that you know are gathered here for worship today and say, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? I know somebody who is sick. Will you pray for them? I've lost my job. I know somebody who has lost their job. Will you pray for them? I'm anxious. Will you pray that God might calm my soul? How is God speaking to you? Male and female, rich and poor, young and old can testify that God speaks. Much of human history is the story of those who listened to His voice and those who ran from His call. Will you listen to His voice today? Will you push through that crisis, push through that fear, and land in faith? I know it's hard. And sometimes you pray and say, God, take away the fear, take away the anxiety, and He doesn't. You just have to do it afraid. Just do it afraid, but as you continue to push through, you are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses that says, keep going forward, trust God, do not grow weary in doing good, and He will sustain you. One step at a time, one day at a time, He will sustain you. Maybe that as you're listening to my voice today, if you're really honest with yourself, you realize this, there's never been that time in your life when you believed in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've attended church all your life. Maybe your parents have brought you to church. You, you grew up going to church. But has there ever been that time where you genuinely, authentically placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord and said to God, I'm a sinner and, and I need forgiveness for that sin and I am placing Christ, my faith in Christ today. I want to invite you, if there's never been that time, to make this your moment. I want to invite you, if this is something that you've been kind of kind of fighting with for a long time to surrender today and make this your moment where you say, Jesus, I believe. I believe I, I'm trusting in you as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to do something if this is your moment where God is saying, 
you need to make that decision. You need to take that step of faith. If you have a, a keyboard or a phone in front of you, I just want you to, to put in the comments, Easter 2020, the day I believed. Easter 2020, the day I believe. Mark this moment in time. People all over the Murphy, Wiley, Saxe, Parker, Lucas, there are people all over the state will rejoice with you. Easter 2020 is the day that I believe. Maybe you're sitting in the living room and you need to look at your parents and say, hey, mom, dad, Easter 2020 is the day that I believe. Maybe you need to reach out to someone and call somebody that you know who is a believer and say, I, I want to believe and I want Easter 2020 to be the day that I believe. Help me. I have some questions. Will you pray with me? If this is your moment when Christ is opening your heart to the gospel, I would just ask you to pray with me. You say, Lash, I, I don't know what to pray. Just call out to God and say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. And on Easter 2020, I believe I am placing my heart and my soul in the hands of Christ. And I'm trusting in Him as my Lord and as my Savior. And I'm asking you to save me, to invade my life and change me from the inside out. I want this to be my moment. The moment that I remember is the day of my salvation. Pray that prayer in the name of Jesus. Back on Good Friday, Lincoln Wofford was able to say, Easter 2020, Good Friday, I believed. Several years ago, my wife, Stacy Baker Banks, came forward on an Easter and said, I I believe. How about you? Is Easter 2020 the day of belief? Is Easter 2020 the day where God has spoken to you and you surrendered? I can't wait to see what He's going to do. What He's going to do beyond this season. Because my friends, God has begun an awakening he has spoke deeply into our hearts. And though we are physically in isolation, we are spiritually connected. And the connection and love that we share lasts for all eternity. Let's worship the name that is above all names.